Hello and welcome to the Discover Money Podcast. My name is Will and with me is Ben and we are two average people who have no formal financial training but have a huge passion for learning all things money. Each week we'll explore a new financial topic in hopes of better educating ourselves and hopefully you on how to stretch your dollar and set yourself up for a brighter future. Now let's get this started. Welcome back, Discover Money listeners. This is episode number three. Like every week, I am Will. I got Ben with me. Ben, happy Sunday. How's it going today? Well, it's it's good. It's birthday season for both of us. Uh, so we are, you know, three. What are we? Three days apart and the same year. We are. So, like, legitimately, we were born three days apart. Um, you know, it was a wonderful march back there in, in 1989. Um, but so we're, we're in between my birthday was, was yesterday and yours is coming up on Tuesday, right? Uh, so we're, uh, that's right. So we're, uh, we're in birthday season. What I know we had, a we had some fun yesterday going to a barbecue place in town and, and doing that. And, and you and your wife, uh, wife came and we had some fun, but are you looking forward to anything, uh, specific for your birthday here in a couple of days? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure the wife has something planned. Um, do something with my wife, do something with the kids, um, so it'll be fun. I had the in-laws in town this weekend, um, but pretty low key, just did a little family time. Well, you know, Ben, I was really hoping that we could celebrate our birthdays finally with those 20 listeners, but we're still not quite there. We're still hovering right around 15 listeners every week. I think we're at 14 listeners this week, 160 streams. So we would like to thank all of our listeners coming back every week. Please tell your friends. We would love to hit that 20 number sometime in the co- coming weeks. Ben, I know it's going to happen at some point, so it'll feel good. I, I would bet we're over 20 unique from the start of, of, of the podcast. Oh, I'm sure we're over that so, from the start. You know, I, there is, you know, just how you look at the numbers is all it is. Yep. All right. Well, we'll keep knocking on the door for that. We'll get there eventually. Um, we're going to start this week with our weekly update. Ben, I have no updates, but I'm really interested to hear your updates on any cards that you sold. For those of you that did not listen last week, we did a Ben-centric episode. Um, This week will be a Will-centric episode. And last week, Ben was telling us all about trading card investing. Um, Ben had some trading cards he recently purchased. Um, Ben, how did last week go? Did you get some sold? I didn't sell anything, uh, but I do have some eBay auctions going up tonight. That will be seven-day auctions. So next Sunday, hopefully, we'll have some sales. Um, but I, uh, after the episode, I definitely have dove a little further back into sports cards this week and have been putting some bids in on, on things on eBay and uh, may have bought, um, well, a uh, you know, I don't know, maybe a few dozen <laughs> uh, different <laughs> cards this week of different types. So, yeah, just it, it's always been a fun hobby for me. You know, I think as we talked last week in the episode, there's definitely some some investment pieces of, of the hobby. And, you know, but I, I think for me, it's just fun to be kind of involved and, and, and see where the hobby is at these days. And, and uh, it's been fun buying some cards that, you know, I used to have back in the day and now. I, I can buy again, and hopefully they'll they'll hold their value. Who knows? Hmm. Are you so expecting you a that. bidding frizz, frenzy this week? 
Uh, well, I'll tell you. So, uh, and I'll give you an update. We'll see when we podcast next week. But uh, at some point in the next week or two, I'll give you the full update. But I, w- I am putting that Joe Burrow car, that Joe Burrow select rookie mm-hmm. car that we talked about in the episode. That'll go up. That's like your baby. Uh, yeah, you know, I, just, I bought it for two bucks. And hopefully we sell it for like 10 to 15. We'll see. Yeah, percentage gain, that's, uh, that's really pretty good. So that's, that's tough to beat. Um, and then the other one, and this one is, is, is probably the, the highlight, is a Tom Brady um, red, white, and blue prism, I don't know, 2014-ish card. That's probably about a $100 card. And it's, it's probably a good representation of where the hobby is at these days because that card probably, when it came out in 2014, was maybe a $10 card. And now it's it's probably going to go for about $100. So um, I'll give you the full update once once those sell and we'll get some final uh, final prices in there. I'll help you out, Ben. If you want to buy a Tom Brady red, white, and blue, what was it a rookie card, Ben? No, I know. I wish just uh, a prism, just red, a white, prism and blue card. Prism card. You can write Ben at Discover Money Podcast at gmail dot com and put your bid number in. He would love to hear from you. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. All right, Ben. Well, today's episode, like we said, this is going to be a little bit more kind of Will-centric. We're going to talk through where my mind is at and the debate that you and I go round and round about all the time. Uh, But I think to set the stage, really the question becomes is, am I making a $2.5 million investing mistake by wanting to possibly pay off my house early? And to kind of set the stage here, I am in a unique and probably privileged scenario where if everything goes to plan, and of course life never goes to plan, so let's we're going to keep this in a hypothetical mindset right now, but if everything goes to plan, potentially I'll be in a position where I could, in theory, pay off my house sometime in the next 12 months. Let's say in the next 10 to 18 months, something in that ballpark, um, I'll be in a potential opportunity to pay off the house. And you and I go round and round about debt and using debt to leverage things and using it to benefit um, investments. And really the question becomes is, does it make sense for me to pay it off or not? Um, And Ben, I know you have some initial strong feelings about this before we even get into the math, but tell our listeners where you fall in this. Because to be completely honest with you, I'm like 100% on the fence and I have both feet in both camps. So it's not helping me. (laughs) Well, I, I do have strong feelings. Now, first, before I give those feelings, I do recognize the value of having a paid-off house. Like that, you know, not even just from a monetary standpoint or a financial standpoint, but just from a, you know, a personal, um, you know, human standpoint. Of, that's like the dream, right? Like that's, for a lot of people, like, like paying off their house is a life goal. And, you know, so being, you know, able to do that, especially at a, you know, relatively young age is, is awesome. And I think, um, so I, I understand the desire to want to do that because it, it's just a, it's an awesome, crazy thing. And, you know, it sets you sell, yourself up for, you know, an awesome financial future, not having to have a mortgage every month. And then also just the security and knowing that, you know, no matter what, this house is mine and, uh, and not, 
you know, having any kind of, of, of potential, you know, loss of that in the future. Um, now, all that being said, um, I would strongly suggest not paying off your house <laughs> and going right at it. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I think it's, it just comes down to, you know, the opportunity cost, right. And just, if you have a sum of money, what is the best thing you can do with that money to bring in a higher return? And, you know, that 2.8 or whatever the interest, you know, a lot of people have really low interest on houses right now, especially if they purchased within the last you know, few years. And, you know, you're seeing interest rates at, you know, 2%, 2.5%, even some maybe below 2%. Um, but even, you know, 3% and 4% are still relatively low compared to, you know, other types of debts or, and certainly, you know, the amount that you can get in return from the market or other investments. So it all comes down to me, you know, to, to those percentages and, and having, you know, a low interest debt in a house um, is, it, it, I would, you know, no debt is good debt, but of the debts, it's, uh, it's definitely one of the better ones. So before we go into the numbers, I, I will say in full transparency, Ben and I just had a round and round, I won't say argument, but disagreement in how numbers work. Um, I won't say either one of us um, feels that the other one is correct. But what I will say, Ben, is I think that what you'll see here, in my opinion, is the opportunity cost and the difference is a little bit less than what people initially think, depending on how you how, how you go about this. Um, but I'll also say, um, keep me honest, Ben, as we're going through this, as you disagree with different math components or anyone listening, um, you can write us at that discovermoneypodcast at gmail.com and let us know if I'm misthinking things. And again, this is also one scenario that's playing out in one way. Very rarely does life ever work out in one singular scenario, but it'll be impossible to go down the avenue of every scenario in the world that could happen about paying off the house early, not paying it off early, how much I might start investing 20 years from now versus today. So this is a very black and white scenario, but I think it's just one way for us to kind of put it on paper and have a debate and a conversation and at least get the mind thinking, does it make sense or not? So with that said, Ben, let, let's get into the numbers because I think that this is going to be probably a time that we're as honest as we've ever been on this show. Um, I feel a little bit weird talking about specific numbers and being that open and honest, but I think it's the only way to do this. Um, but to look at it, basically at this stage, I owe right around $190,000 on my mortgage. And Ben, you're absolutely correct. I have a very low interest rate of roughly 2.85%. And to put that in perspective, over the next 30 plus, or I think it's 29 years I have left on my mortgage, so I just refinanced about a year and a half ago, I would have paid about $85,000 of interest, which to be honest with you is pretty low historically. I mean, we know interest rates are going up right now. I'll probably never have a mortgage this low ever again. Um, so admittedly, yes, that is a low interest rate and really not that much money over the grand scheme of $30,000. So that's what I'm looking at. Now, to kind of give you a little back-end look of what I've been doing over the years, instead of paying extra on my mortgage, I've been kind of just hoarding cash and or kind of investing portions of it with the mindset of when I have the money, 
then maybe I'll pay off the house and maybe I won't. So I've been keeping the cash somewhat liquid so I have options with it. And that's really what, what we're looking at. So basically, sometime over the next, let's say, year to year and a half, I'll have the 190000 which I can't say I, my wife and I, we, we are a team, we'll have the cash to be able to pay off the house. So really the question becomes, does it make more sense to pay off the house or does it make more sense to invest the money and get those returns? Ben, you follow me so far? I'm with you so far. <laughs> Go for all it. right. We'll get to, we'll get to the disagreements in a little bit. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. All right. Fair enough. So if I send the hundred and ninety thousand dollars to the mortgage, pay off the house, then that money is locked into the mortgage for the next thirty years, and is not going to grow at the same rate. It's only going to grow at whatever my house appreciates for every year. So I'm not really using that money. I'm going to get a much lower percent return on my money for that 190k than if I invested it in the market. Ben, makes sense? Yep. All right, so that's option A is to just pay off my house and say it's done, clap my hands, pat myself on the back and not have to worry about a mortgage payment ever again. Or what I could do is take that 190k sometime over the next 12 to 18 months. And instead of sending it to my house, I continue paying my mortgage like I would regularly. Pay, slowly pay it off over the next 29 years, and then put that 190K in the market. And if that 190K is in the market for the next 31 years, so from the age of 34 to 65, when I would hopefully retire, that 190K would turn into $2.7 million. Ben, that's a lot of money. It is. It is. I mean... <laughs> I mean, it's just, I, I, when I think about these totals, you know, kind of a sidetrack, but it just shows you the power of what compound interest does, right? Like, you start with 190000 and end up with $2.7 Like, those, the difference in those mm -hmm. numbers is just so massive. And with one of those scenarios, you know, not even having to add any additional money to it. Like just, it's just crazy. It's crazy when you think about that. And, you know, I, my head just goes to that. You know, those are the things that we need to be teaching people that are young um, to, to understand and take the power of. Yeah. And it like even go beyond that bit. Like that's, that's not even taking into account all the other money for retirement that right. my family is doing. So that's like, that's $2.7 million added on top of everything else that we're doing. And if you look at, like, if I got a 10% return, if I just put it in a S&P 500 index fund and got the, what is it, 9.8% average that is averaged over the past 100 years or whatever it is, I mean, we're talking about $3.6 million at that stage. I mean, it just seems like an astronomical amount of money. And on the surface level, Ben, as you were trying to tell me, Will, like, that just seems like the easiest call in the world. You're talking about an extra 2.7 to $3.6 million dollars why would you ever consider paying off your mortgage early? Which I agree with you when you look at it from that lens. But here's where Ben and I kind of butted heads a little bit um, and we kind of talked through it. But I think that for me, as we talked about Ben, I'm a very disciplined person. And if I pay off that house, I'm not just going to sit on my laurels and say, oh, the house is paid off. I'm, I'm going to start going on, on extra trips every year. I'm just going to spend that $1,100 a month on frivolous things. 
No, instead what I could do is instead of sending that $1,100 a month to the mortgage company, I then invested $1,100 a month for the next 34 years. Now I'll pause there because you do have to take to account. I still have to pay insurance. I still have to pay property taxes. But for the ease of this conversation, let's just say I sent $1,100 investments over the next 34 years. Ben, here's what's kind of the kicker here is that $1,100 a month for the next 34 years still turns out to be about $2.1 million. And then you add into the fact that I saved $85,000 of interest over the past 29 years, and you come out with about $2.2 million. So at the end of the day, Ben, as long as you pay off your house and still invest, I still come out, come out worse but it's not like it's like an astronomical opportunity cost that would just derail your your financial life. Basically, the difference is 500K. In scenario A, by investing the 190K and not paying off the house, I come out with about 2.7 million. In scenario B, paying off the house and then investing the $1,100 a month, it comes out to 2.2 million for an opportunity cost of about $500,000, which I'll be honest, I am not going to bat an eye at $500,000. Like that is a lot of money. Like you have to respect that amount of money. That is still a crazy amount of money. But I think what so many people tell you is if you pay off your house, you're costing yourself millions of dollars in difference over the next 30 years, which I think is true if you're not disciplined enough to just invest that money into yourself instead. Yes, the scenario is better by lump summing that 190 in, but I don't think it's as black and white as everyone says it to be. Ben, any initial thoughts on those figures that I gave right there? Does that sound correct to you? <laughs> well, <laughs> as you said, we, we went back and forth quite a bit before we started this podcast. I did tell you that I was going to succumb to your math. Um, <laughs> that was so the word you used. I, uh, I, I am succumbing to your math. Um, I mean, there's little, there's still some, some little nitpick things I would, I would pick through. But I think... In general, you know, one one piece is that five hundred thousand dollar difference. I do think some of that is a perspective, right? Like right now, when you know, again, we're three days apart, so both of us are, are you know, thirty. Well, I guess I, I've now got a year, full year of uh, on you. For these next, these next <laughs> You're thirty three. I'm thirty two. Yeah, for the next two days, but you know, we're both relatively young. You know, where we are, where we currently sit. $500,000 is a heck of a lot of money. I mean, that's, you know, over double the amount that you have left on the house that we're talking about, right? So some of it is perspective where when you look off into the future and you see some of those big numbers, right? 2.7 million versus 2.2 million. Well, when you start talking them in the millions, well, 500K, okay, doesn't sound like a lot. But mm-hmm. I, I mean, it really is. I mean, it's a, again, 500K yeah. is a lot of money. Um, but let's take it one step further though, Ben. So that 500K, like the real difference in the future, when you take into account inflation, that 500K in 30 years is going to be more like 200K of spending power is what kind of that becomes, right? And then like if you even look at it even more from there, from that, let's say you do a traditional 4% per year um, for retirement, kind of a safe withdrawal, if there is anything called a safe withdrawal, because we never, we never really know the future. I mean, basically, you're looking at that becomes 
what is that? $8,000 a year or around 650 plus or minus dollars a month. Like that's really what you're talking about is $650 per month in retirement going to make or break one way or the other, which I'll fully say seeing my grandmother and seeing some of my family struggles with money for some people, absolutely a hundred percent. But the hope is that I've done all the other right things and that's not going to make a big difference one way or the other. Well, but who knows, right? Well, and you look at the 500K and think about 200 and spending. I look at the 500K and go, oh, maybe I could buy a boat when I, when I retire, you know? Um, <laughs> but, but I think the other piece is as other folks are trying to do this math for their situations, you know, I think, I mean, real estate right now is crazy, right? Stuff, mm-hmm. at least in our neck of the woods, is just nuts. Like, I think some people might be having this, um, this same you know, potential situation with 500K left on their mortgage or 600K left on their mortgage. And, you know, that math might look a little different depending on how much you have left. You know, I think the general principle is the same, but I think, you know, that difference in in money is going to be be larger with a larger sum. So I think, Mm -hmm. you know, everybody's got to do the math for themselves. But I, I mean, I do think that I was surprised that it was only a 500k difference with you know the compounding because you know as we were talking about before the podcast starting with $190,000 in the market versus starting at zero and adding 1100 a month like you're starting from two very different points um so it did surprise me doing the math that that there was only yeah the 500 or $600,000 difference in the end um mm-hmm. so yeah so i mean i think what you're proving is that you know, you basically are deciding is that 500K or whatever that money is, is that worth, you know, taking what would be, you know, maybe consider the perceived risk of not paying off your house early, right? Or does that outweigh the, just the security you feel in having a house paid off or, you know, the other you know, potential benefits that come along with that? Yeah. And I'll say, I mean, you, you just hit the, hit the, nail on the head with that, it is 100% just a perceived, I feel better, I feel more secure. I think even at 500K saying it has $200,000 of spending power, it's only $650 a month, like the math is very clear that it makes much more sense to invest the money. And I think another point that you said that really hits home is we're not in our forever house by any means. I mean, the thought that we're going to be here for 30 years, there's just, there's no way. The thought that we'll be here for three years is probably no way. Um, And as you said, as you get larger house, that compounding interest, it probably skews the math a little bit differently as well. When you're talking about $500,000 invested in the market versus a house, like I think those are things to think about, which then you take it one step further is, okay, so let's say we upgrade house. Do we put more as a down payment and still have a mortgage? Or do you put as little as a down payment down so you can invest the rest? Like, I I don't know if there's any two scenarios the exact same. And that's why I say I firmly have both feet on both sides of the fence, which I don't think is the actual saying. I think it's one foot on each side of the fence. I don't don't know. You got a lot of extra feet over there, Will. (laughs) I I have um, four feet, right? Um, But yeah, it's no clear answer to me. And it's one of those things where like two sayings come to mind that have really resonated with me as I'm having an internal battle with what makes the most sense. And I think that 
one of the things that comes to mind is you cannot eat your house. That's something that I've heard someone say before. And basically it's saying like if things hit the fan and you have all your money into your house and you have no liquidity and the worst happens, like you literally can't use your house to go buy groceries. You can't use your house to pay for a car payment or pay for gas or whatever it may be that you actually need liquid liquid cash for. And then kind of the extension of that, that that's always really hit home with me is the ability to have a paid for house is actually better than having a paid for house. Because if things do become worst case scenario, you could always pay for your house. But you can also have that money making 10% per year, opposed to making 2.885% per year, which would be the return by, by paying off your house. Like there's still a interest rate that you're losing by paying off the house. And it's that difference between your interest rate versus what it would make in the market. So I think those are things that really come to mind as well. I, I like the you can't eat your house uh, part to me. And, and that's another piece for me when I think about this is, you know, the money that sits in equity in my house is, I mean, it's awesome to have equity, right? It, that's great. Um, but I can't do much with it. So, mm-hmm. you know, without taking out, you know, another a HELOC uh, or line of credit, um, you know, there, there's not a lot that you can do with it. And so, and I think that's one of the challenges with real estate is real estate can be a great investment, but it's, it also can be, a, um, you know, you, you kind of cement yourself into a, into a situation. Because um, what I would look at it is, okay, if you've got 190K, right, like, do you put it into your house and now it's equity and it just sits there? Or do you take that 190k and yes, I mean, obviously, putting it in the market is is an option. But if you really wanted to be in real estate, you know, to, to put it into real estate, do you go buy another house and have a rental with that 190k? And I think that's the opposite approach, right? Like that's leveraging that money to get more debt, um, because you know, I think real estate. Why real estate is such a great investment to a lot of people is because you can get highly leveraged. It's because you can buy, you know, for instance, you put, you know, 20% down on a house, make it a simple example. You buy a $100,000 house, you put $20,000 into it, and in the current real estate market, stuff's going up and up and up. Well, if it's worth $120,000 next year, you, you just you, you know, you basically just broke even. Um, so, you know, I think, I think a lot of folks that are of the real estate investing mindset would probably look that route too, is that I'm not trying to get less real estate debt or less leverage. I'm actually trying to get more leveraged. So, you know, I think those are two very different paths, but do you, do you put any stock into that mindset? Oh, I'll say 100% put stock into it. And I mean, that's one area that I kind of envy you, Ben, in the sense that, I mean, you and I talk about it all, all the time. Like, I would love to be in real estate, but I'm also somebody who it's like, I have to force myself to pull the trigger on something like that. Uh, I mean, for the longest time, I was scared to do after-tax investment because I was worried about like getting a tax bill at the, at the end of the year. Like, I didn't know how, how that worked. And then when I started investing after-tax, I was like, oh, this isn't 
this is easy peasy. And I'm not saying real estate would be easy, but it's one of those things where, yeah, it does make a whole lot more sense since I do want to get into real estate to actually jump off the bridge and actually do it. Um, but it's just, it's, it's a scary thing um, to actually go about doing that. Um, and I think another thing that I would say with that is I think the decision would be probably easier for me in this scenario if I wasn't doing other investments on top of that. And if I looked at it as if I wasn't putting 20 to 25 percent into retirement, then I'd be like, of course, I can't use this 190K to pay off my house because I need it for investments. But since I'm also doing the other things, I'm like, well, could I just save up more money in five years and then buy real estate investment? So I also, my mindset, I'm like, does it have to be one or the other, or can I do everything? Um, which probably when you are not very honed in on what you actually want to do, um, you end up doing a lot of things not great. Um, so probably at some point, I do need to make a decision to go down one route or the other route, opposed to kind of having feet on both sides of the four-side fence here that we're talking about, basically. Yeah. And I think, you know, we've talked... You and I have talked about real estate quite a bit. I mean, we were scrolling through houses yesterday while we were sitting at at, uh, at the at the brewery after the barbecue place. But um, and Ben wants to buy a house where someone got murdered in. <laughs> allegedly, allegedly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, we talk about it a lot. I mean, obviously, I you know I haven't pulled the trigger on anything yet either. I think I've taken some steps and given a HELOC open to to look further down that route. But yeah, I mean, I think that's. You know, it's another option, but it's a riskier option, right? Like what if things don't go well with a rental or with your investment or we see a huge market crash, you know, those, those are, those are realistic things that can happen. And then, you know, if you didn't pay off the house, you still got to come up with that mortgage every month. So, you know, mm -hmm. I think that's for a lot of people that, you know, maybe they are not doing as much investment on the side or they don't have as much you know, saved up capital outside of this, you know, this investment or this, or this, this uh, batch of money they're considering putting into the house. I mean, that is something to think about is the only reason, the only way I would think about putting that lump sum of money into another investment outside of your house is if you do have enough money coming in every month to pay your mortgage and your basic expenses, uh, you know, safely, right? Like if you mm -hmm. were to put that 190K straight into the market and you you know you weren't going to take it out even if it goes down or up or whatever it's there um you need to have some more money to pay that mortgage every month somewhere yeah. so i think you know i think people just have to realize that you know, their situation they need to take into consideration all of their monthly bills and their cash flow and make sure they're not putting themselves in a scary situation yeah. I mean, I, well, let's be very clear. This is a very privileged problem that I'm talking about. And probably for, for the average person, it, it doesn't resonate um, when they're like, well, well, if I can't pay my bills, then why would I ever even think about paying off my house type thing, right? So I think that having that cushion, and, and you bring up a, a good point. And one of the reasons that I say over the next 10 to 18 months, whatever I said, as part of that is if you pay off your house, you still need to have a cash reserves. Like it doesn't mean that you don't need to have a, a, a emergency fund in case like the worst happens, right? Like you still need to have enough money to pay for the other things in your life. 
Um, and like I said, a lot could change in the next 12 months. And I might look back at this conversation and be like, mm, nope, I still want to have some cash because I still want that ability. Or I may look at it and be like, hey, you know, I feel really secure. I'm still going to do all these other things. Let's just use this money for that. Um, so a lot of question marks that may happen over the next 12 months. Um, but this is just the initial kind of thought process I'm going through. So, well, I did want to ask you, because you, you did mention in there that I guess a consideration or a variable that, that you are thinking about is potentially how long you would be in the home or, mm-hmm. you know, whether you would move at some point, you know, you, you identified it's not your forever home. Talk a little more about like, why does that play a factor in why you, you know, your decision to either pay off the house or not pay off the house? Um. I don't think it really honestly makes a factor because like really like the math is the exact same. Um, the only difference is like this really comes to logistics. But if I wanted to sell my house and buy a new home and admittedly, I don't know exactly how this works. And at some point I need to do research into that. But at, at some point there is a in-between where you're trying to put a down payment on a new house, but you need to sell your house. And I think you have to get like a bridge loan or something of that nature. Like this just makes it so I have the cash on the sidelines that I could just put it down as a down payment. And I wouldn't have to worry about where am I getting this cash from until I sell my house. But I don't know enough about that, honestly, Ben. But really, like if you put it in the house or not put it in the house, the math works out the exact same. You're going to get it back when you sell the house. Right. Yeah, I want. I wondered if there was, you know, if there was more, there was something outside of the math that was making you consider that um, as a, as a potential variable. No, I, I'll be honest. Like I, I'm really leaning towards having the ability to pay off your house is way better than actually paying off your house. Yeah. But there's just always always something. In, in the back of my mind. And part of it just goes back to kind of my history. And I went through a foreclosure when I was a young adult with my family home. And like, it's a scary thing. And it's something that sucks. Um, and for me, it's more the security of I would never want my family to be in a position like that. That's really the the driving factor um, of why I would probably do it. Um, now, I also think that hopefully I would never be in a position where that could happen. Um, and I think I've done the right things to prevent that from ever happening. But it's maybe just something that I just need to get over or I won't get over. So when you say, because that's kind of option, that sounds like option C to me. So option A was take the 190K and pay off the house with it. Option B was take the 190K and put it in the market. So when you say um, it's better to have the, the ability to pay off the house, does that mean like keep it in cash? No, no. I would still invest it just like it would in that option B that you okay. just said. It would still be invested in the market. Um, even, even if it went down a little bit, like I, I feel confident that the market will go up over the next 31 years. Okay. But yeah, like... I have committed, and and even right now, and to be honest, Ben, this this is the variables that I talked about, that there's a million variables, that this scenario is not as black and white as what we're talking about right now. But as we've talked about, I'm dollar-cost averaging the cash that I do have on the sidelines into the market as we speak. And as of right now, I'm already down, I think, like 8% of that cash that I've been kind of putting in. into the market. And like we could look up and at the end of the year, it might be up 30% or it could be down 30%. And of course, both of those scenarios makes an impact of everything we're talking about. But I'm committed of taking some of the cash that I have and putting it into the market regardless. 
Because, and I think that's important, right? Because I think, Will, you and I have a different view on cash, right? Like you just, you tend to hold a lot more cash than I do. And I think for, you know, for a lot of people that lean on the keeping more cash, I think that's something to think about, right? Because those two options, right? Option A and option B, in both of those scenarios, whether you pay off the house or you put it in the market, you are using the cash Mm -hmm. for something, right? That's going to, that benefits you. But Mm -hmm. option C, you know, the in-between or the, well, I'll just keep it in cash and keep it in the bank. That's, that's what scares me for a lot of folks out there because all that cash that's sitting there, not only are you losing the opportunity cost of, of either one of the other options, but you're also to one of the points you made earlier, you're losing that money's going down in value because of inflation every year. Right. Mm -hmm. And right now it's going down very quickly. So, you know, 31 years from now, if your decision was to just keep it in cash, and even if you're growing that cash, that that's a scary proposition. Um, so, you know, I think that's we just need to say that is is you know if you do have a big lump sum of cash, you know, you certainly want to hold a certain amount as an emergency fund and and such and to have reserves. But at some point, you need to be utilizing that to to make more money. Yeah, and that's why Ben, it's important to say I never gave an option. That stated, I take that $190,000 and just leave it in a bank account for the next right. 31 years. Right. As I take that $190,000 and I, and I put it into the market, because that $190,000, if I just put it into a checking account, that's going to be worth what, like $80,000, $85,000. That's just quick head math that could be grossly inaccurate, but it's going to be less than half um, over the next 30 plus years. Um, so, yeah, 100%, it, you have to do something with it. Awesome. Well, well, I, I mean, I think, I think this was a great episode. I think it was great to, you know, to hear kind of your situation and you be, you know, so forthcoming with, with this, you know, kind of dilemma that you're going through financially <laughs> and to talk through it. Um, so I appreciate you bringing, you know, bringing this topic up and, and going through all the math and I'm really sharing where you're at. Yeah, Ben, I appreciate the counseling session. Um, I know for those of you um, that just listen on the podcast, which is everyone besides Ben and I, um, Ben and I have this conversation all the time when we talk anyway. Uh, so he's heard this this scenario play out different ways a hundred times. And knowing me, I'm sure six months from now, I'll have an option C that's even different than what we're talking about right now. Uh, but as I said earlier, it's good problems to have. Um, and it's if I wasn't doing the right things, the answer would be a whole lot easier than it actually is. Um, but this is hopefully just one part of my financial portfolio that I'm building. Um, and I'm still doing all the other right things. So we'll keep everyone updated over, over the year um, and see what we ultimately do. Um, but Ben, I appreciate it. For everyone listening, thanks for kind of talking through things. If you want that Tom Brady card, please write Ben an email. Let him know how much you're willing to pay for it. Um, I know that he is eager to sell it. So with that said, Discover Money is out.